you may have experienced something similar in the early days of, I think I'm coming on here. Sorry, we had a, a little sound uh, issue this morning, and I think we're getting it fixed right now. There we go. Yes, good deal. So you may remember the early days of GPS when it was a great technology, obviously, when it came out. Uh, it was amazing, saved us from many, many uh, worthless turns and, and trips, and and, and, but we had some fun things we experienced uh, along the way, too. Do you remember those days when the GPS would be guiding you and it would say it was taking you the fastest route, but sometimes the fastest route might end up being somewhere that you weren't planning on going, right? So we were coming back from Mexico Beach and maybe around 2015, 2014, and uh, it routed us down through Gadsden County through a dirt road. I mean, no lights, no houses. It was the scariest uh, mile we probably ever have driven at a, as a family, like 11 o'clock at night. And about a mile in, I, we were like, let's turn around. This, is, this looks dangerous. This looks bad. And we turned around and headed the, back the, uh, to the main road. And so I'm thinking about following. You know, you follow something, you know that um, you're, you're kind of at its mercy. You're, you're kind of know, knowing that, like, okay, I have to kind of have a, some faith here in this. And the same thing is true with following Jesus. And I think about this morning, had Jeff and Amy's picture up on the screen, you know, I doubt that Johnny and Brenda would say in the perfect world that their kids and grandkids would be in Brazil and they're sitting here today. And as we think about the cost of following Christ, we know that Jesus said, wide is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life. And if you find it, and we know that following Jesus oftentimes requires following him in ways that maybe we weren't planning on or we weren't really anticipating that to be the case. And so following Jesus is a question I want to really pose to you this morning. Are you really wanting to follow Jesus? Do you really desire to follow Jesus? And so we're going to be in the Gospel of John, and as we go back into this text, we're not looking at a traditional Christmas text today, but every story about Jesus is a Christmas text. And so as we look at the Scripture, let's really just be thankful that today we can celebrate a baby who was born in a stable. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that gives us life, that gives us truth. God, we know that uh, you said that uh, your yoke is easy and your burden is light, but nevertheless, it requires that it, we connect with you and we follow you and take follow your lead in life. And sometimes that doesn't seem easy and it doesn't seem our first preference if we had to choose, God. But we thank you for the joy that we have in following you and we thank you for the eternal uh, reward we will spend forever uh, in your presence with you, God, as we celebrate uh, the, the, the accomplishments that you, you did coming to this earth for us. And we thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in chapter 13. If you were here last night, we uh, looked at uh, some of the verses there at the end of 13, but I skipped verse 33 because verse 33 really goes with our text today. And so Jesus was kind of um, he was talking, and then Peter kind of inserts himself, and so you'll see the flow of thought as we look through verse 33 and then verse 36 through 38. So let's start with verse 33. Jesus says, little children, yet a little while, and I am with you. If you, you will seek me, and just as I told the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. So where we're at in the book of John, Jesus is preparing the disciples for what is about to come and what they're going to have to endure if they're going to follow him. And so the, the crucifixion is just literally just a few hours away. We've seen twice before Jesus commented to those who rejected the truth that he would go and he told them in both of those texts that his opponents would not be able to find him. 
So when Jesus said these words to his critics, uh, they, uh, they were sure that he was either planning, they thought he was planning to go in a distant way, place, maybe out to the Gentile country, or even one place it was even said that Jesus, they thought Jesus maybe was going to commit suicide. But Jesus was actually, actually referring, of course, to his coming death, resurrection, and his ascension back into heaven. So over the next few days, he will die on the cross and be raised in a glorified body. So within weeks, we're going to see that he would be then ascended back into heaven. So that's what he's getting to with his disciples. He's saying, hey, where I'm going, you can't come. And so he's telling them that the only one who's able to offer the sacrifice necessary that deals with the sins of the world is himself. And so they cannot follow him either to a cross to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. So he's saying to them, this is something I have to do. This is my mission. This is what I'm about. This is why I came to earth in the first place. And so he's the one who needs to come and die. And so they can't come with him, not now, but they would very soon follow him in martyr's death. Broke at verse 36. Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? I mean, it's a great question. It's an obvious question. And again, and we've seen the disciples again and again. They're not quite, you know, Jesus has given the truth. As the ministry went along, he's even more, he's clearer on exactly what's going to happen. But they still, they have no category for a Messiah who's going to suffer and die for the sins of the world, even though Isaiah 53 and other passages in the Old Testament allude to that. So they just couldn't process the fact that the Messiah had to die. Why? Because winners don't die, right? Winners don't die. The losers are the ones that die. The winners don't die. So in their mind, because Jesus is powerful, he's mighty. They've seen him do incredible things. They've seen him feed 5,000. They saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. They've seen him do all these things that he can do. So it's, it's just unthinkable that the Messiah, a person who possesses the power that Jesus possessed, could be going to his death. So Jesus answered Peter, where I am going you cannot follow me, and then the next word, now. You can't follow me now, Peter, but you will follow me afterward. So, Peter, you can't go to the cross right now, but there's coming a day where you're going to follow me. In fact, history tells us that Peter was crucified as well, and he did not want to be crucified in the same manner. He was unworthy to be crucified like Jesus, so he requested to be crucified upside down. And so Peter would follow Jesus to a martyr's death, but not now. It would come eventually for him. But Peter, we're going to see first, he's going to fail miserably. Look at verse 37. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. So Peter must have at least understood that there was going to be danger involved with following Jesus because he confesses here his willingness to die for Jesus. But Peter was just the guy who's always very, very sure of himself, right? He's always the one that's speaking up. And in this case, he thinks he's sure of himself, but what he actually does, we know the story, most of us know, he does exactly the opposite of what he said that he was going to do. Are we not all guilty of that, right? I mean, maybe we're not being right recorded in the books of history for our major failures, our claims to, I'm going to never do that again, God, and then we turn around and do it. You know, sometimes it's just straight stupidity that we make claims that we know we can't keep, commitments that we're going to keep. You know, 2023, family, it's, it's a new year for us. We're going to be in church consistently. And then what happens a few weeks in, something comes up, 
and it doesn't work out so good. And so sometimes it, it, we just make stupid, stupid decisions. And why do we do that? I, I think it's just our human nature. I mean, think about it. I mean, join me here in visually thinking of an illustration you've done where you've just done something this stupid. It's just like, why did I do that, right? What caused me to make that decision? Some of you, maybe it's like road rage, right? You're behind the wheel and somebody does something and you're like, well, I should not react that way. I can't help myself, right? And you're blowing the horn and you're acting all crazy. I mean, we just do it all the time. I Just thinking about illustrations, like when I was in high school, this just shows how human nature, we just don't think through things, right? We're just impulsive, emotional in the moment. We'd had soccer practice in the middle of the summer, uh, preparing for the season in the fall. And during the, the season, of course, it was hot. We were out there in 90-degree temperatures, sweating. And then me and my brother and a couple other guys, we jumped in the car, and we had about a 15-minute trip home. But we were dying of thirst. And, of course, you know, being high school students, we weren't preparing by bringing water. We just weren't thinking. We just jumped out of bed and, and went to practice. And so we'd pull into 7-Eleven, and the best, most economical drink was called the Big Gulp. I don't know if 7-Eleven still sells those, but basically it's this massive drink a soft drink where you could get for hardly anything. And so I filled that baby up with Mountain Dew and I would drink that thing and what would happen? I mean, on the way home, my stomach would start hurting and by the time I got home, I was just sick. But here's the crazy thing. Then the next day at practice, I turned around and did this exact same thing. I'd tell myself on my mind, I really should get Gatorade, but Gatorade's so small. I need something big to quench my thirst. And so I do it again and again, day after day. No, not making that up. And every day I was sick. Michelle says, you still do that. I'm lactose intolerant. It's like, I got to eat this ice cream, right? I'm going to pay for it later, but I got to eat it now because I, I love it, right? And so we just sometimes do stupid things. And, and that's, you know, I know kids are in the, the room. That's not a, that's a biblical word, Proverbs 30, 22 through 3. The, the, the writer of Proverbs says, I am stupid. I am not as smart as other people are. I have not learned to be wise, and here's the key, I know nothing about the Holy One. And that's why we're not smart, is because the author of this proverb says, we're, we're just, we don't know God. And so when we don't understand God, what we talked about last night, the fear of the Lord, His holiness, His greatness, His glory. When we don't understand God, then we're going to continue to make bad decisions. So Peter just makes a, 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 this huge claim, I'll die with you, count on me, Jesus, but we know what happens. He's, he's just prideful. He's just full of pride. And we do the same thing. We make promises, and maybe it's not based on stupidity. Maybe it's just pride. We think in the moment we think that we're capable, but we know that our follow-through system is just broken. And Proverbs 16, 8 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so pride gets you in trouble every single time. And it got Peter into trouble because he made these claims. He made these bold uh, claims before all the disciples, he would never do this. Jesus, I'm with you. I'm going with you. But he does just the opposite. I love this uh, quote by Jerry Bridges. He says, though pride is so prevalent among us, it's difficult to recognize because we all practice it from, to some degree. How then can we guard against the sin of self-righteousness? First, by seeking an attitude of humility based on the, on the truth that there but for the grace of God go I. Though this statement has become something of a trite expression, it is indeed true for all of us. If we are morally upright, and especially if we are believers who seek to live morally upright lives, it's only because the grace of God has prevailed in us. No one is naturally morally upright. Really let that sink in. You may 
put on airs and come across that you're morally upright, but Scripture is true. We can trust Scripture where it says we're all broken. And so we may do a better job than some of hiding that brokenness, but we're all broken, and we all do crazy, stupid things, and we all make promises to God that we don't follow through on. And Peter does it. He says, I will lay my life down for you, Jesus. I'm going to lay it down for you. And, you know, and I think, don't you think Peter really meant that in the moment? Because you know what? We do too. Like in the moment when we make our commitments or say, you know, I'm going to get up every day this next year and read my Bible before I go off to work, right? And like a weekend or a few days in, what happens? We fail oftentimes because just like Peter, we have good intentions, but there's no follow through on that. And, and to Peter's credit, you know, I can be really tough on Peter. We can be tough on him. But to his credit, although all the other disciples fled at Jesus' arrest, Peter, you know, he still followed. He just kept his distance. And then he denied Jesus and would not be identified with him. But Jesus tells him what's going to happen down to the very details of his situation. Jesus tells Peter that before the rooster crows, the following morning, he's going to not deny that he knows Jesus three times. Look at verse 38. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me, Peter? Are you, really? Are you going to do that, Peter? Let me tell you the truth. Here's the truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. You know, with all the statements I made about all of us, our tendency not to keep and follow, our follow through and do what we commit to do, it makes me really thankful for God's grace. And I think if there's anything this Christmas that we can be thankful for, it's the fact that, honestly, Jesus loves imperfect people. And that's where, but for the grace of God, go I. That's what we really have to grab a hold of that, because it changes our perspective, because we realize that we're no better apart from the grace of God. It's Jesus and his work in our life and the inter intercessory work of Jesus on our behalf is the only reason that we're going to see any spiritual success in our lives. In Luke's account of this passage, Luke adds that Jesus revealed to Peter that Satan had asked permission to sift Peter like wheat. Verse 31 of chapter 22 in Luke, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. After wheat's been harvested, one of the steps in preparing it, I watched a video on this, is they take it and they beat, beat it, all right? They just, they take these sticks and they just beat. This may be more of a, like, farming, like, small farming method versus big machinery, but nevertheless, this is the way it was traditionally done, would have been in the mind of the author, John, that they would beat it and then they would, at that point, sift it. And so I think a great paraphrase of Luke twenty two thirty one would be, Simon, Satan has asked to beat you with a whip until the useless parts of you fall away. And then Satan's going to toss you around for a while in a big basket to let loose of the remaining chaff. Think about that. That's what Satan has asked Jesus for permission to do. And Jesus could have easily protected Peter, right? Could have easily said, Satan, nope, can't do that. But he allowed that to happen. Why? Why did he allow Satan to do that? Because he had a higher purpose for Peter, one that required Peter to go through great adversity and struggles 
and to be humbled greatly so he could do what Jesus desired for him to do. Look at verse 32. Uh, it'll be on the screen of Luke chapter 22. He says, But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So what Jesus was allowing Satan to do to Peter, to sift him, to beat him, to put him through this awful, awful time in his life. He was preparing him for the work that was ahead after Jesus ascended back into heaven. And if we really think back to the passage, the text we looked at last night where Jesus said that, we, that by our love for one another, that you're going to know that they're going to know you're my disciples. He was preparing Peter to be the leader in the church, one who could harness the wisdom that he's learned from Jesus to control his mouth, not make promises he can't keep, and to be a wise spiritual leader for those who would follow in his footsteps in the church. And so by this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus was preparing Peter, and it was going to be very, very painful. And so over the next weeks, as we look at the passages of Peter's denial, I hope we can personalize it and we can take those situations where we've made promises. And we think about if we were in the situation where we were alienated from our family, away from our family at Christmas, we were on a mission field somewhere in a way, and we were in a situation, it'd be really easy to begin to feel sorry for ourselves. It'd be really easy to turn inward and begin to pout and say, you know, I need to take care of me first. But Jesus says, all along, all these things have been happening to you. I've allowed those things for a reason, to get you where you're at today so you can turn around and you can minister, Peter, to your brothers. And for us as well, all the things that have happened in your life have gotten you to this point today, this Christmas day, December 25th, 2022, so you could be a better minister, so you could love others better for the name, in the name of Christ, for the name of Christ, for the kingdom of God. He's prepared you for this moment through the adversity that you faced and the adversity that you're going to face. And it's by faith. Do you believe that or not? Do you trust it or not? Satan goes to Jesus says, give me permission to do this to Peter. And Jesus says, sure, Satan, do it. But Satan meant it for what? Peter's destruction. Jesus meant it for the good of Peter and for the church, even though it may have not felt good initially. By your love for one another, they're going to know that you're my disciples. Here's my call to Grace Church this year, is to love each other well. Let's love one another well. In spite of the adversity that you've been through, don't think, you know, I need people to love me better because I've been through so much. No, God has allowed you to go through all that so that you can be sifted and beat and prepared for the ministry that God has for you in 2023. So don't look at those things as a detour from God's plan. Oh, I followed Jesus, and look where that took me. That's a problem. No, you followed exactly where Jesus wanted you to go in that situation. Now he wants to use that for his glory and for your good. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this Christmas morning. We thank you that we have the example of Jesus who came to this earth, was born in a barn, in the trough where they fed animals, 
God, that Jesus, the king of the universe, the creator, the word who became flesh, was born a, a humble, obscure birth so that we could know that our lives as Christians are not lives of prominence through possession or through our, our prestige, but God, it's through our humility. It's through understanding that yet for the grace that you've given God, we would be an outcast deserted on our way to hell for eternity. And thank you for that grace that met us where we were at. And God, I pray that we won't just celebrate that, but we'll use it as a catalyst to minister to those around us, to love others well. So when people see that, they recognize that we're following you, that we're your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.